This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Today, we're going to be talking about the generosity of this church and encourage more of it in the times that we're living in. And today's message comes from Matthew 25. If you have your Bibles, you want to open your Bible app to Matthew 25. We're going to pick up in verse 31. Uh, and today, be, to be clear, we're not talking about rewards. Uh, we're talking to begin in this parable. It's an issue of heaven or hell. Uh, Jesus is going to be very clear uh, as he separates the sheep from the goats And that's going to be the first question we want everybody to be able to answer is, am I a sheep or am I a goat? Am I a true believer in Christ Jesus or am I a pretender or an unbeliever? And that today for many would be the day of your salvation. And and Jesus is going to be very clear about feeding the hungry, caring for the sick, and welcoming the stranger. And for many of us, I don't want this to be a guilt trip morning. The goal of this message is not to get people to question their salvation because for many people, we've just never been discipled well in this. And today is a a day of discipleship for those who have placed faith in Jesus. But we want to start by showing a picture. And before we put the picture on the screens, I want your first thought. Don't say anything. I'm really going to encourage you not to even make a noise. But just between you and the Lord... What is your very first thought when you roll up on this? Homeless and trying to get by. Anything helps. God bless. What's your very first thought? And I'll share with you the thoughts I've had over my life. Uh, I would say a lot of people may relate to this. One of my first thoughts when I roll up on this is, get a job. The other thought that I'll have is, why do you have a pet? Why are you smoking? All of these thoughts run through my head. Do your your thoughts change if this is a veteran on the street? And, and all of this, again, this isn't about a guilt trip, but today we are wanting to talk about the heart of God for the impoverished, the imprisoned, the sick, and that our heart, your heart, my heart, it would follow the same. Here's what we know about our kids. Kids are great lie detectors, aren't they? Our children, I have two children, two adult children. My children share my faith and they hold the scripture as their primary source of truth. I'm grateful for that. They place faith in Jesus. They walk with Jesus. They're growing in their faith. And, and they're, this is what I know. And grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, we say it all the time at this church. Our children are watching, listening, remembering, and repeating. My children who share what I believe, they're watching me like a hawk to see that my beliefs and behavior match the teachings of Jesus. And this is one area that we're talking about today that Jesus teaches us that my kids are watching. What is my attitude? What are my words when I roll up on a panhandler in Branson? My daughter calls me daddy. She always calls me daddy. I've said I want nothing from you in life other than that term for the rest of my life. Call me daddy. 
But she only calls me Pastor Ted when I break the law. When I, you know, gently move through a stop sign, that's what I call it. I just gently move. There ain't nobody coming. I just, you know, I tap the brakes and go. She'll say, good rolling stop, Pastor Ted. She'll look over at the speedometer and she'll sit back in her seat and she'll go, how fast you going, Pastor Ted? And I've told her this is why Pastor Ted is not on my license plate. I went with the standard Missouri-issued license plate so you don't know it's me. This is why I can ride up on you and help you get off your phone at the stoplight at a green light. Get moving. And it's just a... I'll give you the courtesy tap until you're still scrolling and then it's a long get off your phone and drive. She goes, good patience, Pastor Ted. Look at me. I'm all up over a stoplight. But listen, when I watch the news, my kids are watching. When we go through the last two years like we've gone through in our country, they're watching. Dad, does what you believe and what you preach and what you teach that comes from Scripture, do you actually live it? Do you believe it? Because I don't ever want to be the one who brings my political beliefs to the Scripture. I want the Scripture to drive what I believe politically. And I I want to live what Jesus teaches. My kids are watching. Today we're in the parable of the sheep and the goats. and, And it's not a parable answering this question right here. It's a very important question. It's not the question that's being asked. But we still need to answer it. What must I do to be saved? In Acts 16, remember the jailer, I love the story, Paul and Silas are in prison. They start singing. There's an earthquake, chains drop off, jailer wakes up, he's going to take his life because he thought that they had escaped. And they say, no, 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 don't, don't, don't take your life, we're still here. And what does the jailer ask? Exactly, what must I do to be saved? And they answer the question so clearly in that story. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. Salvation comes by no other name. Salvation comes by nothing good you do or bad things you stop doing. It is in the name of Jesus. Call out to that name. Confess that name. Believe in your heart that he's been raised from the dead and you will be saved. Today the question for us is more of a discipleship question. What must I do now that I am saved? What, how must I live? Thank you. That was, I love that. That's good. Like, bring it. Uh, and Alex, I was sitting there listening to his message last week, which was phenomenal. I agreed with everything except Top Gun. I love Top Gun. I just didn't think it was the best movie I've seen in 20 years. Uh, but I kept listening to the message, The Walking Dead, through the lens of Matthew 25. And many last week settled that decision settled that decision and became followers of Jesus. Born again, believers in Christ Jesus. What do you do after you're saved? What is your heart? And here's what I know. This isn't a guilt trip message. As as we discuss sheep and goats for you to go, oh, I'm doubting my salvation. That's not the goal of this message. The goal of this message is that all of us would be discipled with the teachings, the beliefs, and the heart of Jesus. Because when I got saved, I was in a church 
that, said, that answered this question. You know how they answered, what must I do to be saved? After that, what must I do now that I am saved? You know how he answered that? Attend church. Tithe. Okay? Uh, read your Bible. Don't smoke, drink, chew, or date girls that do. I can pretty much boil the discipleship message down to that. And that's what some of you were discipled in in your churches. Let's just be honest. Right? Be at the church when the doors are open and don't do bad things. Francis Chan puts it this way. When he's speaking of, of all that Jesus gives us and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, just to read the Bible, attend church, and avoid big sins... Is this really the passionate, wholehearted life of discipleship Jesus was calling us to? And the answer is no. There's so much more. And today, we want to look at my heart, your heart, follower of Jesus. What is it toward the hungry? We're going to be called to feed the hungry, care for the sick, and welcome the stranger. And I got to tell you, over the last couple of years... Believers in Christ Jesus in the United States of America have been tested on all three. And I don't know how well we did. I don't know how well we did. Why are they hungry? It's because they're lazy. We're not going to see in the text today Jesus asking us to question the why. Because they're lazy. And I'm not going to give that person money. How do I know that they'll use it for food and not drugs? Let me tell you, when you start entering into mercy ministry, which is what we're talking about today, easing the pain, easing the suffering of those who are hungry, sick, and a stranger, which is what we're called to do, you're going to be taken advantage of. People are going to take advantage of you. People are going to hurt you. I've seen too many Christians try to help people. They're taken advantage of, and then they quit. Don't quit. The people you're helping are not your source of life. Jesus is your source of life and calls you to the hungry, the sick, and the stranger. Well, over the last two years, we've questioned people who are sick. Well, you're not really dying of COVID. You have bad habits in your life, and that's ultimately why you're sick. And I, just some of the conversations we would have is, but I'm supposed to feed the hungry, care for the sick, and welcome the stranger. Wait a second. Welcome the foreigner. What's their immigration status? Are they here legally? And, and I, I just wonder if part of the devil's schemes has been to turn the believer's heart away from the hungry, the sick, and the stranger. The very thing that Jesus calls us to turn our heart toward. In Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. We are talking about the end when believers and unbelievers are divided. The final judgment. All the nations will be gathered before Him, Jesus says, and He will separate the people one from another. Okay, so we're going to get to the parable. This is part of the parable, but th- this is not a made-up story right here. This is going to happen. The nations gathering before the throne, they'll be separate, believer, unbeliever. And then here's the the word picture that is used to share this story. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And in that day, it was very common for sheep and goats to herd together, to graze together. But when it came time for shearing, they would be separated. 
And Jesus is going to use that illustration. Verse 33. He will put the sheep on his right. My Republican friends don't read more into this text than what Jesus is saying. This is, an, this is not a Republican-Democrat thing. This is sheep and goats. And you're like, I disagree. Listen, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And what he's going to do in this story is talk to each group. He's going to start by talking to the sheep. In John 10, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. They, they want to know me. They want to hear from me. I know them meaning they're mine, okay, and they follow me. They do what I do. They do what I say. That's the sheep. If you've been born again, if you've placed faith alone in Christ alone, it should change everything about your life. And I think sometimes what we see in the church today, we have people who think they're sheep. They're actually goats because they like the justification piece. That first question, what must I do to be saved? They like that. Call on Jesus. Ted, I want to go to heaven when I die. I just want to live down here however I want to live, though. I question, if your attitude is, I want to do my own thing, go my own way, did you truly bow your knee to Jesus Christ? Because when you place faith alone in Christ alone, it will change the way you live. It will change your heart toward people. Again, this is not to cause believers to doubt their salvation. But for those who, who, who want heaven <laughs> without the actual following Jesus part, you need to go back to the moment in time where you think you made the decision. And was it a real decision? Because in verse 34, he says, in Matthew 25, Then the king will say to those on his right, to the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. You're going to get this in both talking to the sheep and talking to the goats. The sheep, eternal life in heaven with the Father. The goats, the pretenders, the unbelievers in eternal fire in hell. Verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the sheep, the righteous, and how, what, that's justification. Those who are declared righteous when you place faith alone in Christ alone because of what Jesus does, not what I do. I'm declared righteous. So then the righteous, the sheep answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And in verse 40, Jesus says, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, and this is very important, brothers and sisters of mine. Scholars can be divided over what the brethren are in this text and who they are. Uh, but most believe it is the disciples of Jesus, those who accepted the message of the cross and followed after Jesus. What did it mean for them in that day? It meant poverty. It meant imprisonment. And Jesus is saying, you, when they followed me, it brought hardship upon them, and you looked after them. You cared for them. And what you were doing for them, you were doing for me. I think as parents we understand that. If you want to bless me as a parent... Be nice to my kids. 
if, if you want me to come after you at a, a kid's athletic activity, <laughs> say something bad about my kid. You, we get this as parents. But don't get lost in the brothers and sisters piece that we should only be helping those who are believers and those who are following after the cross. Yes, that is a priority for us. But we are to show this kindness to all. In Galatians 6, Paul says, and Paul, by the way, this is why Paul, remember, he would take offerings for the churches that were being persecuted and the churches that were suffering. They weren't able able to, to participate in the economy and they needed food. He would go to the other churches that he planted to collect funds to help the brothers and sisters in Christ who were impoverished. Therefore, as we have opportunity, we'll talk about that in a moment because we all have opportunities that come before us each and every day, especially in this town. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Thank you for that amen. I'm going to take it as an amen. Luke 6, Jesus says this, but love your enemies. So it's not just your neighbors, not just brothers and sisters in Christ, but even for your enemies, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. When I read that a couple of weeks ago, I was just reminded of some of you who've been helping people. You've been practicing the teachings of Jesus in your life. You care for the sick and you feed the hungry and you you welcome the stranger in and people have taken advantage of you. And it frustrates you. I get plenty of phone calls with people emotional sad than mad keep serving don't quit when you're not treated properly why continue to be merciful what does it mean to be merciful just as your father is merciful it means that we are called to ease the suffering of others now i want to be real clear we've already said it a couple times i'm going to say it just very clear before we move to the goats feeding the hungry caring for the sick and welcoming a stranger does not save you This is not the source of your salvation. It's the overflow of your salvation. If you're a born-again believer in Christ Jesus, you want to move toward these people. Jesus had a heart for the marginalized, and he calls us to the same. Saved people. Feed the hungry, care for the sick, and welcome the stranger. Saved people enter into the suffering of others. And make no mistake, it's messy It's frustrating, it's hard, it can be expensive, but it's what we're called to do. Saved people are generous and sacrificed to ease the suffering of others. I was thinking about just members of our church this week, and you know, because there's been so much online about maybe the church isn't doing enough after the Roe v. Wade thing, or we've not done enough leading up to it, and I just I kept thinking of story after story after story of the people in this church who help people constantly. And, and, and the bottom line is you just don't know about it because we don't post it on Facebook. And just, I got to remind us, th- there's life beyond Facebook. There's a lot of life. There's glorious life uh, beyond Facebook, right? And so just because it's not posted, and I was thinking about all of these stories, but this one the Lord brought to mind, and I wanted to share it with you because he was a, a dear member of our church. This is John Battistoni. Uh, he served in Stone County. For years, uh, part of the, the firefighters there. It was a wonderful service. He went to be with the Lord, uh, passed away from COVID earlier this year. And uh, John was a character. 
I'm going to use those terms, uh, that term. He's a character. He, uh, I, I remember uh, when we met him once on the lake in his boat, and we were on our boat, and there was a bunch of adults, a lot of kids, and we're all ready to jump in, and this is a great Fourth of July illustration. John stops us all, he goes, whoa, 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 nobody's swimming until we sing the national anthem. I'm like, what? And no lie, he plays it on his deal, and we all stood there on our boats. <laughs> He wouldn't let us move until we say, I just had all these great stories come to mind this week. There's a box out here in the lobby that I think runs all the fire alarm stuff. And one Sunday, this is years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, it was beeping. It wasn't, it wasn't going to keep us from having service. It was just annoying. It was beep, beep. And, and the security team and everybody's and firefighters from our church are gathered back there. And I walk up just to do what I normally do, butt in where I don't belong. I go, what's going on? Can we get rid of that? No, I, we got to call the fire department. We can't just, and, I, and then I said, the, I was standing right next to John. I said these words. I go, can we just unplug it? <laughs> well, you would have thought I was demon possessed. John whipped his head around to me. And I'm kid you not. It, it wasn't a, that won't work, Ted, and all of that. He just whipped his head around to me, got right in my face. And with passion goes, have you ever smelled burning flesh? I, I preach about it, but I've never smelled it. He goes, well, if you had, you wouldn't be taking this so lightly. I go, I'm bringing a solution. Don't you like people that at least bring, just bring us, don't bring me your problems. Bring me a problem and a solution. And he's passionate. But let me tell you where he really got me, and he got me every time. His heart for the hungry, the sick, and the stranger he would go to Jesus was homeless, now elevate, help families. Whenever I saw my phone ringing from John, I knew it was someone he was helping and wanting us as a church to partner with him in that. Always took responsibility for it. I mean, moved people around, bought them the needs, met their needs that they had. And let me tell you, there were very few phone calls with John where he wasn't in tears, being taken advantage of by someone. I remember once he called me, and said, uh, I mean, he was very emotional. And he goes, this, this single mom and her kids were kicked out. They didn't have clothes or nothing, literally on the street. What do I do? What do I do? I go, just go get them, John, and the church. And this is what I love. You, the amount of ministry and mercy ministry you do, church, family, that you never even know about. I said, get him a place to stay for a few days till we can get this worked out. I go, John, go to Walmart and buy him clothes. Get to the grocery store and get him the food that they need. And he was all about it all the time no questions asked and when he was taken advantage of guess what he didn't quit when when he felt like his help wasn't even being received he still offered it what what a testimony for each and every one of us as we continue to lean in and practice all that jesus taught us let's move to verse 41 then he will say to those on his left depart from me he's now speaking to the unrighteous the unbeliever there are many that are going to think they're sheep. There are many that are going to think they should be on the right and Jesus speaking to them. And they're on the left. And again, not that these works save us, but there was, these works aren't in your life because you weren't saved is what Jesus is saying. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire. People that think Jesus doesn't have a lot to say about hell, oh, he does. 
the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They're going to do this, ask the same question. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then watch us. Here it is again. Here's how he ends it in verse 46. Then those who never believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous, those who knew him and he knew them, those who followed him, they will go away to eternal life. So you have to start today with the question, and Alex asked the question last week, what must I do to be saved? Start there. Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess with your mouth that he is Lord. Believe in your heart that he has been raised from the dead and you will be saved. No other name by which you can be saved. So start there. Then then ask, now that I am saved, what must I do? Feed the hungry. Care for the sick. Welcome the stranger. I said it earlier, but just to put it on the screen again. What if... Part of the devil's schemes is to turn us against the very people Christ calls us to feed, care for, and welcome. Church, we've been tested on that the last couple of years. I just want to ask individually. I, I, a pastor recently said the church was put to a test two years ago, and we miserably failed. I don't agree with that assessment. I, I believe it was one of the, as difficult and as painful as it was, it was a, it was a, it was a great season for Woodland Hills Family Church to do all that we're talking about today. And many of you did that. What we're asking today is for many of you to join us. And if I can just encourage you, don't let debates, okay, over what the government should or shouldn't do keep you from doing what Christ calls you to do. Don't just put something off on the government. Don't put, hey, they'll take care of it. Listen, and, and does the city of Branson have to deal with panhandling and the homeless crisis? In our, absolutely. And they're going to have those debates. And you're, you're looking at a guy that has so many opinions. I got more opinions than half the people in here. I have lots of opinions, but I don't want my political opinions or what's being discussed in the city or in our country keep me from doing what Christ has called me to do personally. Never allow it to be. A precious couple of, a few weeks ago came up to me. They're an RV couple. We love those RV. They're taking up the first six rows of our church right here. But uh, they, they came and met me up here and they said, and I, this is what I love about our senior adults at Woodland Hills. They've, just, they've been so well trained on like church membership. Like it's passionate for them. So, and, and she said to me, she goes, we're, we're only in Branson half the year and we're in Texas the other half of the year. And what, what does church membership look like? I said, well, you can't be a member. No, I didn't say that. Of course I didn't say that. I, I use this term, which we've been using a lot more around our church and, and with our staff, but be on mission with us. I encourage this couple, go to starting point, become a member of the church, and, and when you're here, if it's four months or six months, be all in on mission. Give here, serve here, Feed the hungry, care for the sick, welcome the stranger. But go all in. And then when you go down to Texas, okay, get that bumper sticker that says, I'm not from Texas, but I got here as soon as I could. <laughs> Put that on your RV, find a church, 
join, serve, give, and there in Texas, feed the hungry, care for the sick, and welcome the stranger. Be all in. And that's the challenge today we want to put out there for our church family, to go all in with us here at Woodland Hills. And what does that mean? How do we enter into this mercy that we're called to as followers of Jesus, as sheep? Okay? Well, years ago, we started something called the Mercy Offering. And before COVID, it was the first Sunday of every month. Most majority of our giving was physically here on campus. With COVID, we've moved to like 65 to 70% of our giving is now online. So that many transitioned to that. So it wasn't a once a month thing, but you'll see it in the drop down and many people still give to the mercy offering. That was set up so that we could give as a church family to meet the physical needs of the brothers and sisters in Christ here at Woodland Hills Family Church. And we're not talking a $25 gift card to go get a meal. We're talking we pay months and months of rent for some people, mortgage. Whenever I bring this up, there's people right now going, oh, no, the floodgates are going to open wide. As a church, we've never had an issue where a need was brought to us and we were not able to meet it. So after 20 years, I've never been worried about someone coming and saying, uh, our electric's been turned off. I don't know if you know this, but we've been a little warm here in the Ozarks uh, lately. And we have senior adults right now, frankly, with, with poor health that don't need to be sitting in a 100-degree home with no air conditioning. I mean, so we meet the physical needs of our church family the exact same way we meet the physical needs of students in Stone and Taney County. And that we did through Care for Kids. Last week, we gave $60,000 to meet the physical needs of students in Stone and Taney. That's eyeglasses. That's dental work. That's healthcare. That's buying gas for uh, families that need help getting to school. It's paying for some of the school fees for what, athletics. Whatever the case may be, the counselors in the school are in charge of it. And what a great opportunity for us as we meet needs here. We meet needs in the community. And one of the reasons we're putting the challenge out there today for you to go all in with us on mission here at Woodland Hills Family Church is we know that a lot of our church is beyond Stone and Taney counties. Obviously, it's the majority of our church, but it is southwest Missouri and northwest Arkansas. And we know there are more needs to be met that we're not in the school districts or we're not in the individual schools, and we want to find ways and be able to meet those needs. Foster and adoptive families. This church has given large sums of money to help children in need of a home find forever families. And, and this week... Last week, yes, I was, I was celebrating the decision uh, of the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade. I was grateful for that and all of the lives that will be saved. I want to say that to any, any lady in here, any dad in here, any grandparent in here who lost a child uh, in an abortion. This church family, we mourn with you. So it, it, we were rejoicing and mourning at the same time. But then, last week, it just, it, it, it sickened me, that would be the term I would use, when I started seeing companies uh, send letters to their employees. The shirt I'm wearing today is, is, there's a lot of these shirts in my closet, like majority of brands in my closet, the, I mean, Patagonia, Orvis, I'll call them out, why not, they'll... Uh, sent letters out. They made it very public. And they said, hey, we will cover up to $4,000 of travel expenses to any one of our associates needing to travel to another state to get an abortion. And when I thought that, I'm like, Lord, what can we do? 
What can we do? Because we're being accused right now of not doing enough. And so I took the letter. I think I took the letter from Dick's Sporting Goods. And I started sending it to business leaders in our church, business leader friends who own businesses, companies around the country. And I said, wouldn't it be fantastic for you and your company to send out a similar letter to say, we will cover up to $4,000, $5,000 of cost for those families in our company who are fostering and who are adopting. And... What a simple idea that God can do something great with. And, and I just, I said, let's, let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's prove this. And as, and as I shared that, I got a call the next day from a, a, an influential business leader in our town. I love this guy. He's been a dear friend for a long time. And I love his phone calls to me. His phone calls are usually, Ted, this is so-and-so. Don't call me back. That's, he literally doesn't want to call back. Uh, basically, don't bug me, Ted. I'm just leaving you this quick little message. Uh, and he said, I just want you to know uh, we will be funding uh, adoptions in our company. And I just, if the Lord leads you to do that, be on mission with the church and give to your employees. Right? The, the goal of, of Business is not just to get the biggest profit you can as a follower of Jesus, but it's actually taking care of your employees as well. I think we get a great illustration of that through Chick-fil-A, the Lord's chicken. Uh, This church continues to give to returning home. Shay Robbins is a teaching team member here, and his brother Nick Robbins uh, leads this great ministry, helping... um, Prisoners as they leave prison to reintegrate into uh, society. And what a great ministry you have. We have many people here who are called to minister to the needs of prisoners while in prison and those transitioning out of prison. We'll continue to help there. A great ministry that we've supported and we love partnering with Convoy of Hope. And here's what I love about the generosity of this church. When the war in Ukraine took off and all of the the refugees flooded out of there. I get a call. I have a call tomorrow with the Ukrainian refugee family uh, here in the Ozarks. Uh, still more are trying to get here. I was, I was just thinking about it. Like, if we can't have attitude followers of Jesus towards refugees and towards internationals, I hope, I hope you understand. My son is on a class trip with school of the Ozarks right now, and I, I think this very moment there at the Statue of Liberty in New York, and I just think of the moment of, of just, just all the people that came into the... Will the church be the ones that welcome, that has the arms wide open to help and to welcome the stranger and to welcome to the foreigner? And, and you gave, I think it was $25,000 within like a day or two to Convoy of Hope who was going to meet the needs of refugees uh, fleeing Ukraine. Let's continue to do that. The Haitian school. We've been supporting kids in Haiti uh, uh, significantly. Their, their schooling, their, uh, their food, summer food program to help meet their physical needs. And so these are just a few of the ways that your generosity and your giving meets needs and eases suffering in this community and around the world. But as you leave here today, this is a core value of our church We want you to know that every member is a minister. Every member is a minister. If you're a follower of Jesus and you you come across an opportunity today, meet it. If this church family can partner with you in meeting that need, we want to help. 
I, I just know um, sometimes people get confused, and you just need to know this is not a pastor-led church. We're an elder-led church. Uh, we have people that get frustrated all the time. They say the church wasn't there for me, and what they really meant was the pastor wasn't there for me. This is an illustration about your pastor, but it's an illustration about all of you. I mean, we have some people in this church who have had needs met by 8, 10, 12 different people in our church. And for that, I applaud. But if I wasn't the one there handing it to them, they think the church... No, no, no. You were met by minister after minister after minister by this church. Go be the body of Christ. Serve. Give. Meet the needs. And we say it around here all the time. We got this from Andy Stanley. Do for one what you can't do for all. Don't let the need overwhelm you so that you sit back and do nothing. When you see the need, do for one what you can't do for all. And in, uh, we're going to end by taking a second offering. Boy, are we feeling Baptist today uh, or what? <laughs> if you want to go in on mission with us, again, here are the four ways to give. We're going to leave them up there. And how God is calling you and leading you, we will leave that between you And the Lord, would you pray with me? Father, I pray that the one who's asking the question, what must I do to be saved, will come forward, will meet with someone from our prayer team right now at the close of this service and believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For all of us that call Woodland Hills our family, our church, that we would go all in on mission today. We pray all of this in the good name of Jesus and the authority of that name. And everyone agreed and said,